You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Spotify's Green Room, formerly known as Locker Room. Download the Green Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Same great conversations, just on a new app. Green Room, still changing the way we talk sports. We're working our way through our exit interviews from last season, breaking down each player's strengths and weaknesses and looking ahead at what happens with them and the team next season. Make sure to check out any previous episodes if you haven't already. I'm not sure when you'll be listening to this. This is actually the first of the series. So to help me out on today's show, he's the host and co-founder of the Miami Heat Beat podcast, as well as the creator of the subtitle anime YouTube channel. It's Giancarlo Navas. What's going on, G? David, it makes me so happy that you introduced me as a YouTuber as well. This is my my passion. I love it. Uh, I Listen, you're a friend. I will always make time for you. I'm very happy to be on to talk all things heat. And uh, hopefully I have some bones to pick with you. So we'll, we'll get into all that. I'm excited. Well, you know, normally I save this episode for last, but why not kick it off talking about a great player? We're going to start off talking about Jimmy Butler because he had a hell of a season and I gave you first dibs. You get to choose whoever you wanted to talk about. You pick Jimmy. That makes sense. Again, he's the straw that stirs a drink for Miami. All NBA third team selection, all defense Mm. second team selection, Mm. career high in rebound steals and assists per game, highest field goal percentage of his career, a great overall season for Jimmy Butler, wouldn't you say? It's his best season. I know that the scoring numbers aren't as good as some other seasons, but it's his all around best season. Uh, I thought he was very comfortably a top 10 player in the league. Uh, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I mean, I I think he was legit superstar level. I think that their record and point differential when he played and when he was on the court proved that I think there is, I think his, at least statistically and on the film, like his season's pretty unassailable. I think that everyone around him let him down. He was absolutely spectacular. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be better than what he was this season on both ends of the floor. I mean, on, on defense, he was just <laughs> honestly like my, not my defensive player of the year. I would have voted Gobert mm-hmm. um, as much as I like to slander him, but Jimmy would have been my runner up. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it, it didn't seem like he, it was almost like effortless from him watching him and thinking about it now in hindsight. And again, I haven't watched any heat basketball over the last few weeks. I have not gone and taken a deep dive and looked at the playoffs or anything like that. What went wrong? Not since the series ended against Milwaukee, but just in recollecting what Jimmy's impact was watching him. He's so fluid. He's it's almost effortless from him knowing that it's the exact opposite, but I guess that speaks to his overall greatness as a defensive player. Uh, he'd be your runner up as defensive player of the year. Is that? Yeah. I thought he was the best perimeter defender in the league. Um, I, I know that Ben Simmons got a lot of love. And I've, I've compared this on my pod and I've said it on Twitter. Kawhi's like monster defensive season. Jimmy had that, but in terms of like, you know, Kawhi, you couldn't dribble around him. Like if if, if you if you were dribbling around Kawhi, that, that ball was not going to be yours. Right. There was a certain point in, in, in his defensive player of the year season when he was in San Antonio. Like you could not, you literally could not dribble. Like teams were scheming to like, it was like a wide receiver that is a, a, a cornerback that's shutting down like a whole side of the, of the field because sure. you know, you don't want anywhere near. And I thought Jimmy was that, but in terms of you couldn't pass the ball near him because he was getting a hand, he was getting a deflection. He was making you miss. Like he was so destructive. I thought when I thought the big move of the season, David was, 
kind of Spo putting Jimmy in more of a help position where mm-hmm. Jimmy would be responsible for stunting on those drives and then closing out on the shooters because early in the season they were bleeding threes and they were a lot of, they were I mean they still gave up a lot of threes but the Heat were also I think either first or second in the league in, in contested corner threes which is you know I think as a defense, at least you want to contest, right? I know that the, the kind of philosophy has changed before. It was kind of run them off the line. Now it's, you know, okay, maybe better defenses allow more threes. It's, it's kind of fluid, but you want to always contest. And Jimmy was responsible for stunting on those drives, recovering and contesting, flying around as a helper, as a weak side blocker, uh, playing in the nail. Like what he did on defense this season was absolutely incredible. And that's not even talking about the on-ball stuff, right? This is all this is the off-ball stuff that he's doing. And I think we saw in the playoffs, unlike Giannis, you know, who you see his limitations as an on-ball defender, that's not Jimmy. And I think with Ben Simmons, you see that as well in the playoffs. It's like, and I know it's a regular season award, but it's like the stuff that Jimmy, these, these are not weaknesses for Jimmy. Like Jimmy doesn't have these weaknesses. Like the Hawks are running double drag and they're getting Ben around that first screen and he's just taken out of the play and he's not affecting things as much as other guys. So yeah, I mean, I thought Jimmy was the best perimeter defender in the sport. I think Gobert, you know, I know that he has his warts in the playoffs, but in the regular season, you know, he is just a dominant drop defender. And I think his statistics and I mean, you just you watch him play and you're just like, I mean, he there's nothing happening at the rim. And I, I think he's deserved it and he played more games than Jimmy. But I thought Jimmy was at that level defensively. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the uh, the differential as far as the games in which he played and didn't seven and 13, the games he didn't play. 33 and 19 in the games he did. So Miami probably would have been at least a top four seed in the Eastern conference. Had he played the full season, unfortunately he missed 10 games due to COVID and another 10 games due to various nagging injuries. It felt like that was, I guess, scattered throughout the whole season. I know he had that stint earlier on in the season where he missed a few games here and there, and then again missed some later on in the season, but overall pretty much a, a model of stability. And that kind of led to a lot of conversation about Jimmy Butler as the MVP, Jim VP, of course, trending around social media. I don't know how much of that is legitimate, though. Like how much of that? Obviously, you're a big fan of what he did. And I think you you speak very positively about his overall impact. But do you really think that he was a legitimate MVP candidate? Because no. I think you and I, well, you and I both watch a lot of NBA basketball around the country. I mean, just other games from other markets and things of that sort. I'd like to think both of us watch a fair amount of it. And I say, I look at how other media members respond to Jimmy Butler's performances. And I just, I don't think he ever got that kind of respect nationally and it just felt like it was a slow burning movement here locally and especially on social media but that it never really took off and nobody really ever thought it was a legitimate case for jimmy that it was basically joel Embiid versus nikola Jokic, scattered you know uh, mentions of Giannis Antetokounmpo, maybe lebron james maybe anthony davis here and there but overall it was basically a two-man race and jimmy was never really a part of that and yet it felt like it was something completely different locally why why do you think that was the case why do you think jimmy was a legitimate mvp candidate i think so i don't think i think he deserved to be on the ballot i don't think he i I don't think he was ever like a legitimate serious threat to win like i thought there was a stretch where you know he came back healthy and the heat really started to roll Mm -hmm. and i think that's when it really started right because i think they were so bad before he came back i mean they were awful and and if you remember he hurt his ankle in the first game of the season he was never right in those beginning games like he wasn't right that that game against dallas that he came back i mean he he played against boston it was the uh, new orleans game on christmas day where he he sat out the second half of that and then he he wound up missing a bunch of games after that but he he got hurt in the orlando game if you remember 
Yeah. He got hurt in New Orleans. He tried to go for New Orleans at the second half. And then it was just like a spattering of him playing, but not looking great. And then the COVID, you know, the, the COVID happened. And then he sat out for a long time, probably was able to get that right. Uh, um, and then he came back and was a world beater, right? And and they were so freaking bad, David. And he comes in and he completely makes them look like a competent basketball team. And his stat, he was like averaging almost a triple double over close to a triple double with like 30 points. Like it was, it was insane. And the run that they were winning games, they were going on a run. They were, I think seven was it seven games under 500 and they were crawling back. They had beat some good teams. They beat the Lakers on the road. I know AD didn't play. That's still a good win against LeBron, right? They, they had beaten, uh, they beat Utah at some point. Like they had some signature wins during that stretch too. And you're just like, locally, you're like, I mean, this guy is doing everything on the court and you see it. Because with Jimmy, like sometimes you watch a guy and it's hard to like really determine impact. Jimmy has such a weight offensively because he just everything he has to trigger as a ball handler and as a scorer and as a passer. And you just see it, right? It's almost like Westbrook, where I think for fans, it's like easy to see, okay, this guy does a lot of stuff, right? It's not like, oh, look at, look at how they cut off the ball. Look at these like Steph, right? Look at these, look at these back screens or whatever. Like Jimmy is just, it's very visible. And I think for fans, it just became like, look what he's doing. He made the team good again. Um, they're plus almost six net rating when he's on They're minus five when he's off. That's a giant gap. I mean, they're a great team when he plays and when he sits, they're just utter garbage and everybody knew, everybody saw that. And, and they had the campaign. I don't think he had the numbers. You know, I don't, I don't think that was sustained enough. Also the defense. I mean, as we talked about earlier, so, but guys like Jokic and Embiid and LeBron, they just put up gaudy numbers. So effortlessly, Jimmy, it looks exhausting watching Jimmy put up the numbers that LeBron puts up in his sleep. So uh, he, that kind of had working against him and all that. But I mean, he, he was deserving to be a top five person on the ballot. Um, I know that he didn't get many votes, but I don't think it's egregious. And especially if they were better, if certain other guys played a little better and if certain, if they were a little healthier, um, like if Miami was like fighting for a three seed, right. If they were that four, three spot, I'm sure that he would have gotten a lot more votes. Yeah. I don't know. I'm it, maybe, um, I also feel like there is a national bias against Jimmy Butler. Like one that maybe we're immune to. And I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know how many Miami fans understand just how widely disliked he is. He is seen as not just a divisive character, but somebody who's actively uh, posturing and performative in everything he does, as far as his practice sessions and all that, the three o'clock wake up call and all the BS. It is though. They're right though. It is. Some of that is, some of it is, but I think the three o'clock also, stuff is, is just, it's a little ridiculous. It was once, right? It was once. I, I mean, was it just once? It's still funny. I mean, <laughs> he woke up early. He wanted to set a trend and he got Tyler and Myers to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. It's like, that's, that, that was his, it's the start of training camp or right before training camp and his first season in Miami. And he's trying to set the record straight after again, forcing his way out of Philadelphia, basically and Minnesota and Chicago, I guess he was being somewhat performative, but I also don't think he's ne- nowhere near the locker room cancer that he's widely perceived. He's to done be. all the right things here, David. He's done everything right. I think the only time that he really went at his teammates, I forgot what loss it was where he went at Bam publicly, um, saying that he needs to be more aggressive, and that was it, right? I mean, no, I mean it. It was it. Was, he called a lot. Of, I think he, I think he called the team soft. I think he said yes. Some, that's some, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it was it was pointed. I mean, I thought for him he's done worse, but you know, and I I thought that was also at a breaking point of the season where I think everybody was frustrated, and I, I think the team was frustrated, fans were frustrated, the organization. So I don't think that that went over poorly. Um, 
and I think they won that they, they went like a, a, a mini winning streak after that. I remember tweeting Jimmy scared them into being good again. Yeah. Um, but I think David, I think he's done all the right things as performative or not. I, I do think that there's a like a Miami bias in the media. I think that people shade the 2010, right? He's our guy now, so screw you. We're we're gonna David, we're in group that. chats. I mean, we see how some people talk about the heat and it's sometimes flippant and dismissive. And I, I get it. I, I don't think I think since since LeBron and Dwayne left, even that that 2017 run against the Raptors, right, where they mm-hmm. lost in, in seven, I just think people just tune them out because they haven't had dominant regular seasons and they're just, I think nationally they're uninteresting, right? This would have been the team to be interesting, right, because they had made the finals and you have Bam and Jimmy, but they really just floundered in the regular season. So it's like, you know, even listening to national podcasts and stuff, nobody talks about them. It's right. it's like the occasional, oh, well, you know, Miami's a dark horse. They look like they're figuring stuff out. Yeah. And that's like as much as get, get mentioned. Yeah. 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 Maybe you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how they are widely dismissed, even at the start of the season. Like, I don't think you schedule an NBA finals team for like that early game on Christmas morning. Right. And it wound up being a, mostly a blowout against a bad Pelicans team, but still it felt like somewhat dismissive of a team that had managed to go deep in the playoffs the year before and probably should have gotten more, much more national recognition. I mean, the buzz about that team in the Orlando bubble, not to harken back to that as much as we often do, but it was just so exciting to see this gritty team that kept fighting. Jimmy was such a, again, he, I think he was such a central character in the whole story of the Orlando bubble. And I mean, one day you can't just dismiss. And yet the next season we all kind of did. I I think that the fix was in already to kind of just write them off as a fluke, even from a national media perspective, as much as that's ridiculous talk and very simplistic, it just feels like even from a national perspective, they didn't really give a lot of credence to what Miami had accomplished before. But Jimmy, look, I mean, he was phenomenal, a great player. I don't think you can say much more other than that. There are concerns about what he'll do in the future. And also, look, we saw some negative performances from him in the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about that in the next segment. You're listening to Locked On Heat. You know, these exit interviews really reminds me of when I was the hiring expert for my company. And one of the things that I hated the most was having to find the right person to fill a role if there was somebody, a sudden vacancy or somebody had to be let go for some particular reason. But you know what? It was always such a hassle until I found Indeed. If you're the hiring expert for your company, what you really need is a partner to help you out and make your life easier, what you need is Indeed. It's the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, your post, your screen, your interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match the job description that you provide. You only pay for the candidates that have those must-have qualifications, and then just schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. It makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, then add your must have requirements so you only pay for the applicants that meet them according to talent nest indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined so if you're hiring you need indeed get started right now with a free 75 dollars sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked get a 75 dollars credit at indeed.com slash locked indeed.com slash locked offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions do apply Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the finals still continues. And our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, 
we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I'm here with Giancarlo Navas of Miami Heat Beat and other places as well. Uh, Johnny, have you ever enjoyed a good Michelob Ultra before? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, listen, what a nice beach beer. Right. If you don't, if you want to be light on calories, if you listen, sometimes when you, when you eat a lot and you have, listen, I'm a craft beer guy, but sometimes you don't want a heavy beer because you, you know, you've eaten too much food. You're grilling on the boat. You're grilling on the beach. You want something a little light, but a little taste of beer. You love it. You got to love it. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much for adding that because I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, unfortunately, uh, one thing you couldn't enjoy was Jimmy's performance in the NBA playoffs. Look, we're, we're here delivering our first exit interview of the season or the off season. Rather, we're talking about Jimmy Butler. Why not talking about the straw that stirs a drink? That's Jimmy. But in the playoffs, well, nothing was getting stirred uh, except for our emotions, because unfortunately, Miami just did not look very good. And Jimmy did not look particularly good either. Points per game, just 14.5, 7.5 rebounds per game, seven assists, all lower than the average, 29.7 field goal percentage, 26.73 point field goal percentage, just 22 free throw attempts in four short games, obviously 16 to 22, just 72% from the line. So not a great game from him, not a great series from him. And this is the question that I kind of think of when I'm looking at, at that series and his performance. And I talked about this in a recent episode that extends to the team because the team goes as far as Jimmy goes. And so it kind of extends outward. Is this team and is Jimmy closer to being the title contender, the great MVP level player that we saw in the Orlando bubble, or are they the heat that got swept in the first round? And is Jimmy that player? Is he capable of leading that team to greatness the way he did in Orlando? Or is the version that we saw against him in Milwaukee more likely the real case? I think that I think looking at that series against the Bucks, I think it's one indicting and damning. And number two, I think symptomatic of just their awful season, how tired they looked, how out of gas they and the Lakers looked mm-hmm. right now, both those teams struggle with injuries and they had the shortest off seasons in the history of basketball. I don't think, and I know people want to dismiss us as, as an excuse, David. And I think that that's not the only thing that happened in that series. I do think it's a big thing. I think that Jimmy just had nothing left. I think that they all looked tired. Um, he got no help from anywhere else. So he couldn't free up. I do think that there was just drop rattled him in a way that surprised me, just didn't get to his spots. The big thing for me in that series was the Bucks were not switching small guards onto him. And in the last playoff series, they were very willingly switching George Hill. They were very willingly switching DiVincenzo and Pat Connaughton and all that. And That's Jimmy so, yeah. would just Dragic come screen, Hero would come screen. Those guys flare out, right? So they had a legit pick and pop game. With guard. So Jimmy would have a guard come screen. Lopez is dropped really low or wherever he is. And he he's waiting at the rim, but Jimmy doesn't matter because Jimmy just wants to get to that pull-up. And it, Lopez is completely out of the play. And what you have is, you know, Bucks guards and drop, right? And and either switches or slips or, or, or pops or all that stuff. So they that was available to them all last season. And that's how Miami just absolutely shredded them. And then the help would come off Jay Crowder. And then he was a release valve if everything went poorly. Right. This season, Ariza couldn't hit anything. Nope. So that, that release valve on the wing is just Didn't not exist. there anymore, right? Yes, yeah, it's non-existent. The Bucks weren't switching guards. They were showing recovering. And, you know, credit to them and, and, and not to the Heat. I mean, Jimmy, if Bryn Forbes is on the court, you got to find him every time down the floor, and you got to put him in pick and roll. And if you know the show and recover is happening, then one guy has to slip, and you got to hit dudes on a slip. And if that has to be a short roll pass, like there are things that you can do to solve that 
or you can take the ball a little earlier. When you know that screen's coming, you kind of mix up your timings. And they just did not do that. They let the Bucks dictate that. They're like, you are not, we are not going to let you switch. And the Heat were just looking for that and they would not get it. They, David, they didn't go to any handoff stuff. I would have liked them to go to more Jimmy dribble handoffs because the Bucks are playing that low. So, I mean, if Jimmy comes off of Bam Lopez is, is at the free throw line, I mean, Jimmy's a one dribble pull up into a mid range he likes. So, I, part of that's on Spo, and you know me, I'm the biggest Spo defender. I think well, he's the not best the biggest. Player. That's somebody else on your network. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I'm up there, and he's um, he's incredible, and he's the best coach in the league, but not his best series. And I don't. I think part of that's on Jimmy. Part of that's on Spo. Part of that's on Bam. A lot of that's on Bam. And it was just a, a combination of bad things. I think to answer your question, I think they're closer to who they were in the bubble than that playoff series. I just think this season was completely and utterly out of whack. Yeah. None of it made sense. Um, and I, I think these guys are I mean, their offense sucked this year, David. And I think that they're better than that. Despite them having only one and a half people who can dribble. I think that they're better than that. Who's the half. Is it Goran? It's Goran. It's Dragic yeah. or, or Dragic or Tyler. It depends. <laughs> Maybe they're each a quarter, I guess. Um, you know, I, look, it still feels and somewhat reductive again, but uh, he had those shots available, right? I think there were still shots that he could have hit, and he yes. simply didn't. And I, I, I kind of waver on this, and I wonder if you could add some clarification from your standpoint. How much credit do you give Milwaukee, and how much blame do you lay on Jimmy Butler and Miami in general? Is it a 50-50 split, 60-40? How do you feel about that? Tons of credit, David. They came prepared. They knew what Miami wanted to run. They're like, okay, how, how did they beat us last season? Well, they killed us on dribble handoffs. Uh, that's, I mean, my, Milwaukee did not really adjust to that, but Miami did not really go to that. So right. that, that, that's more, I mean, I, I, I went through the film and I think they ran less than 10 dribble handoffs for Duncan. So is it an indictment on Spo more than anything else? I think part of that's on Spo. I, I also think Duncan looked tired, David. I don't know yeah. about you, but in that last game, and, and I actually have a bone to pick with Zach Lowe. I, I got really upset at something he said, cause he's like, I, I have ultimate respect for that guy, but after I think the first game of the net series, he said, well, you know, Joe Harris, you know, Joe Harris is no Duncan Robinson. You know, after he sets that screen, he's moving and he's doing this and it's very unpredictable. And I was like, Zach, that's Duncan all season. Yeah, that's, that's what he does. Yeah, that's like literally. And, and I think they made it seem like Duncan is a mechanical screener and like he's no I mean, he's not he screens and moves and zigs and zags and cuts and slips like he's all over the place. And in that game five. And game four, not even game five. Yep. In that game four, he was screening and he would make one move. Like he'll come off another guy and then he was just stopped. And I think that was exhaustion. He played all 72 games. He had played almost every game last season. He played the whole bubble. That dude ran, I think, the most distance in the NBA. And he's a third-year player. Like, I don't know. I, I thought he was a little cooked in terms of kind of – he ran out of gas too. So there's a lot. I mean – Milwaukee came prepared though, David, they, they, they took away those switches. They knew exactly. They're like, there's film bam against drop is bad. And they're like, we are going to drop and we are not going to come up. We are not going to, he, we will force him to make decisions in space, which sounds like a bad idea, but I mean, that's worked. Bam struggles with length and would drop. And when he has too many choices and I think, I don't know if that's he's programmed to make the right basketball choice. And he, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know about his mentality, but the film speaks for itself. 
and against bigger Aiton go. I think Aiton Gobert are like the two big ones this season where you watch those, those games and you watch that film and you're just like, who is this guy? Right. Right. And then you watch him against Lopez in the playoffs and you're just like, what the fuck's going on? And then you watch him against Jeff green and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's good against smaller dudes. Cause he's like, I can shoot over you. I'm stronger than you. And I'm just as quick as you. Right. But against those bigger guys, he doesn't have those physical advantages. So I think Milwaukee was really prepared for all that for, I think the only thing they didn't really have an answer for was Miami's dribble handoff stuff. But I think they figured, okay, if Duncan Robinson's going to beat us, he can beat us fine. But Bam and Jimmy aren't. And so, it worked. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Um, part of it I get kind of hung up on is, and I think obviously we've seen this also from the national perspective, is that this, the comments that he's stupidly locked in or that he <laughs> likes our chances and things of that sort, like part of that is obviously – he has to say that he is the team's leader. He's going to encourage his guys. I mean, talking to everybody from that team and how they felt about last year's bubble run, how Jimmy had all year long. And I think that was such a big part. Something we don't talk about is the chemistry of last year's team, whether it was just Jay, whether it was Dion, whereas James Johnson, whether it was Myers, like all those things, that chemistry last year was much greater than it was this year, at least from what we had been able to witness being in the locker room and things of that sort. This season, a little different. I think the wear and tear of the season, the COVID, the random testing, all the things that they had to go through really sucked the joy and life out of this season. But from to go back to Jimmy's comments, look, he has to say these things, but it doesn't do him any favors if he can't back it up. And I wonder whether or not now we're starting to see jimmy trending in the wrong direction how much longer can jimmy sustain being this team's best player and can miami continue to find a way to thrive that way i think he can i i think he can i mean if he's going to be what he was this season you know what i mean i i don't i do think that but can he though is that the question isn't that the question though can he do this again next year how much longer can i didn't think he could do it this year david i didn't think that's fair i I thought we had seen the best jimmy butler i thought I. i thought that was closed I'm not going to doubt him. I do think that the, you know, let's not forget that in the finals last season, they're down 0-2 and he's doing the interview with, I believe is Rachel Nichols. Yes. And he's, you know, he's smiling and and he's like, you know, I have, he's rocking back and forth. Ah, I feel good. We have a good feeling about this, right? Like he's, <laughs> he's smiling. Right. And then the, you know, I, I, you're in trouble. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's iconic, David. That's why like, I thought against Milwaukee too. Every every show I went on, looking at previews of what was going on, I was like, you know what? I'm never gonna count out Jimmy fucking Butler again. He's never. gonna find a way to carry this team, and he just did it, which was part of the disappointment of the whole process was seeing that he was not quite as capable as I had believed him to be. David, we we've I tweeted prior to the series, or I think after, I think I, I, it was after game one. I know Jimmy had a bad uh, that might have been his best game of the series, but yep. it was not it was not a good game one for him in terms of shooting. And I said, you know what? Jimmy makes me feel like Dwayne Wade made me feel that whenever that dude is on a basketball court, the team I, the team I like has a chance. Like that dude makes me feel good. He makes me feel secure that I don't care if they're down 13 points down 0-2 in the in the fourth quarter of a finals game. I I think he will bring us back. Right. The famous Dwayne quote, you know, were you scared? Yes. Did you doubt? Never. Right. It's kind of that that feeling that that Jimmy gives me, which is weird. Right. He's he's not he's not Dwayne. He's Jimmy. But I think he earned that. And then he totally fell flat on his face. And it's really it's shaken what I feel about him because I think he's great and I think he could be a top 10 player in the league. But I'm just like, well, now he's aging. Right. And and, and I don't was at the mountaintop was I just I watched him run out of gas. Twice, 
right? In the finals in, in, in game six, completely yeah. ran. I mean, the the definition of running out of gas. I will, David, will you ever forget that picture of uh, that snapshot of Jimmy no. leaning over? No, I mean, and we keep seeing it. Look, and it comes out like even that's the fact that it's being used as a meme now to indicate leaving it all on the floor, just being generally exhausted about something. This just goes to show you how iconic it was. It's something never that we seen could anything all relate like that. to. Yeah, I, it, I've, it, I've never. It might be one of the best images. Like, I mean, you can take to other shots. Like, it kind of just feels like even some of those classic just pictures of like uh, Muhammad Ali standing over an opponent on the in the ring kind of thing. It's just we've seen. Like, this is what sports is all about. The emotion, the energy, the lack of, the fact that he was giving it his all and what was clearly a losing effort. I mean, Against it was a LeBron. No, and they won that game. Yeah. So he yeah. he outplays LeBron sure. in one of the best basketball games I've ever seen in my life. And people want to forget that finals. Those games were good. The ones that Miami won because the Lakers won a, a blowout. And then all those other games were good, right? I think game six wasn't good and game one wasn't good. But two to five, those were banger basketball games. And that game five where Jimmy and remember Jimmy had strung together amazing performances and that game five where he's going back and forth with LeBron. And it's, it's the cool thing that they get to guard each other on the other end. So it's like literally Jimmy's on LeBron, LeBron's on Jimmy. And that's the entirety of that fourth quarter. And, and the King, the greatest player of this generation, maybe the greatest basketball player we've ever seen. And Jimmy Butler is going toe to toe and came out with the win and like culminated in this kind of iconic picture of I gave everything I had. I left it all out there. You guys saw it. I did everything I could and it was barely enough, but I did it. So can he duplicate this? Like you have to guess, this is what I'm asking. This is the question, right? Like I, I know we talked about this even last year when I did his exit interview with Rowan Nadkarni of Sports Illustrated, you know, we, we, I'm sorry. Shout out to Roe, which, yeah, by the way, the is he, you know, is he buddies with Dwayne? And in his interview oh. with Dwayne, Dwayne's calling him Roe. And I was like, What's what up, is bro? this Roe thing? Bro, you'd make a great game show host. Come on. Dude, dude what is that? Did Roe Ro have published it just to show off? That's what I told him. Yeah, he doesn't even have to go through Dwayne's agent anymore. It's just calling, <laughs> it's just calling Dwayne. They're both in LA. They're meeting. Yeah, they're meeting somewhere for whatever. What's up, D? <laughs> Whatever sandwiches are going to get anywhere that Rowan, Rowan, you know, he's known for his gastronomic pursuits. I'm sure he, he's probably, yeah, he's probably turned Dwayne on to a few things there in LA, maybe a little bit and as far as different price range is concerned, but overall, I think they could have similar tastes, but yeah, I, look, we talked about Jimmy last year and we were concerned legitimately about the aging, the fact that we both needed to see Jimmy develop that jump shot that Dwayne never had. And moving forward, he didn't. You know, he did it this season, but he also decreased his overall free throw attempts from the previous season. And we're starting to see, obviously, that trended even worse in the playoffs. What happens next year? Does he become a, a shadow of the player that we once saw? Can he continue being this aggressive, relying on free throws to slow the pace of the game down, to draw contact, to get to the line and help fluff up that offense a little bit? Because the scoring just isn't there as frequently as it once was. And I, I have legitimate concerns. I mean, look, we're talking about the extension, and I think we both argued as I don't know if you talked about it on your show, but it's a done deal, right? It's going to happen. There's no way, or, there's no debate about it. And it's Rohan feels shaky about it. Rohan made me a little nervous. He's like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know how sold everybody is on this. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, he didn't say that that was sourced or anything, but I, I was like, I, I mean, feel the like front they, office isn't sold on giving him the deal. I don't know. I, I, I. I, I thought that was weird. I thought they learned their lesson after Dwayne. I don't think they'll ever do that again. And I think if they have to eat a contract, they'll eat the contract. I don't think they're ever going to do that again. 
Yeah, look, the point I've made is, you know, if he and Bernie sit down with Pat and say, we're willing to forgo the extension, why would they do such a thing? But that would the decision would have to come from Jimmy. Like the team can't afford to mess up and, and alienate their best player, the one who brought them back to relevancy after years of mediocrity. So Especially cannot- after they gave Bam the contract and they didn't, you know, they could have played hardball with him and said, okay, yeah. well, you're, you're going to wait, right? Because our free agency plan is hinging. I, I think that they learned after Dwayne uh, after his departure and how they made him feel. I, I, and I think that's the key thing, how they made him feel. And I think that they didn't understand that just the appreciation and the dollars are sometimes uh, they fall in line. And I think that Bam wanted the money and they, they said they explained to him. And I think they made it very clear that they explained to him what that meant, but they said he deserves it and he gets it. And I think that with Jimmy, it's going to be the same thing. All right. Well, what's Jimmy's vision for the Heat next season? We'll debate that in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. Through the good, the bad, throughout the all of Miami Heat season, one thing you can count on is the great taste of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Nine delicious flavors. You can build your own mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. There's occasional seasonal flavors that you can add in there too. All of them filled with nutrients that you need for your diet, no matter what that diet might be. They're all soft, easy to chew, and they're 100% delicious. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but they're good for you and they taste great too. So right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Build a box of all your favorite flavors, mix and match, and then use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. I'm here with Giancarlo Navas of Miami Heat Beat, and we're doing a exit interview for Jimmy Butler, the star of the Miami Heat. A typical exit interview includes some time for the player to talk about what he thinks is next for himself and the team, what needs to happen, and basically just laying out his plans for the offseason in terms of workouts and things like that. With Jimmy, you know he's going to put in the work, and we'll likely see all of it on Instagram throughout the summer. (laughs) But just like an annual employee evaluation, I thought we'd give – you know, some categories, I'd list some and, and you give me your rating on them on a scale of one through five before you as Jimmy, tell me what you think the Heat should do this summer. Yanni, you ready? I am ready. All right. General quality of work. How would you rate yourself as Jimmy in terms of one through five, one being poor, five being excellent? I thought I was excellent. I gave myself a five. I came back from COVID. I did a great job. I, I was the best player on this team. I was a damn near defensive player of the year candidate. I was splitting votes with my teammate who I was better than on defense, but we don't want to talk about that because he's a great guy and we love Bam, you know, love, love big fella. Uh, but I, I killed it. Are you kidding me? I carried y'all plus I mean, five, plus five net rating on minus five off last season. It was plus five on zero off. I mean, you guys got to break even. And when I don't play, I mean, damn. I, look, I, I agree with you, but I can't, keep you know like the playoffs do count this isn't the mvp award this isn't seasonal awards here i think uh it's it's worth recognizing the fact that you didn't hold up your end of the bargain despite the fact that you said publicly very publicly that you said you would so to me i can the best i can give you is a four i acknowledge your greatness i understand you were a hell of a player throughout most of the regular season but you only get a four because that playoffs really did stink and you were a big part of that can i counter 
Uh, yeah, of course. Maybe if you got me another ball handler so I could take the load off of me offensively, maybe I would have been a little fresher. That's that's fair. Look, I mean, part of that we're we're all I, I, look. This is an employee evaluation. We're here to talk about you, Jimmy. <laughs> this is not an indictment on the organization. We do our own internal review, which you won't be privy to. But don't worry about us. We we have we hold high standards for ourselves as well. Love next, you, Andy. Next, yeah. Next category, dependability. I think this is where you're really going to take some losses here. Dependability, like my availability. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, how do you see dependability? Because I think that's part of it. I think I th- we shouldn't discount because I got COVID. That's not my fault. We're in a pandemic. I thought I was dependable. I, I give myself a four. I had an I had the ankle injury, but I played a lot of games. I mean, I, I was I was available. I mean, after my COVID apps and I was I was dependable. I played a lot of minutes. I did a lot of things. I give myself a four. Like I you're right about the pandemic. I, I guess that's unfair to hold that against you. Uh, I also think, again, you were dependable at the highest stage of the season. Like, it's great to put up a big game against the Atlanta Hawks, which you did not do at some point in March. But where were you that's in why May? I said a four. So I yeah. gave him a four. Where were you in May against the Bucks, Jimmy? Look, again, you know that we love you here from the front office perspective. I can only give you a three on that. I'm sorry about that. Okay, listen, I, I understand. Next category, knowledge of work. How would you feel you understand the challenges of being Miami's best player and what that entails? Oh, I'm culture personified, baby. That's a five. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one, too. I, I think you understand what's at stake. You know what ne- needs to be done. And uh, to the best of your ability, anyway, you do carry those things out pretty regularly. So next Stupidly category. Yeah. <laughs> Communication skills and personality. This is a tough one because I think there were moments throughout the season where you were not just a little abrasive, you might have been a little over the top. And and certainly your public comments about being stupid lactine, uh, I think should be held against you as well. Uh, personality wise, how do you feel uh, you fit in alongside your coworkers? I think my I think my coworkers like me. I think I was really nice to them. I called them out once and uh, I think they responded well to that. I'd give myself a, 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 a three or a four. I, I don't really know. I, I guess I'll, I'll leave that up to you, but I think that I was uh, I was well. This is your evaluation of yourself, Jimmy. I think I gave myself a four. I think I was communi- I communicated well. Uh, I helped my teammates. I you know I gave myself a four. I think I called them out once. I think it was needed, but I, I give myself a four. Yeah, I I, I could see I think that. highly of myself, David. I don't I don't know. Yeah, no, I I totally understand that perspective. I just think that. Uh, Look, there's a lot of youth on this team. I saw you interact with Precious Achua in some negative ways there. He's a rookie, and I know he kind of let us all down as a franchise, but I I still think it's up to you to reach out to him. Yeah, you got to be a little bit different, and this kind of fits into our next category, management ability. Uh, I I think as far as communication skills, personality overall, I would give you a three. Three? Uh, A three. I think that's fair. Mm. Uh, uh, Management ability, this is a little tougher, though. Where do you see how you manage – this team as the team's leader. Hmm. That'll give myself a three. Wow. That'll give myself a three. I don't think, I think I didn't back my guys. I think like guys like Tyler, I probably should have backed a little more in the season when they were struggling. I I think I focused more on the big picture rather than individual aspects of it. Um, Maybe that was my fault because of how good we were last season. And I thought it was more self-sustainable, but Listen, I'll give myself a three. I get it. I I will say that from a franchise perspective, you know how we feel about commitment to basketball above all else. Uh, There were a few too many photo shoots 
too many. Uh, Whoa, hawks. what is this? I'm not. I'm not Tyler. Uh, well, well I mean, look, hey, see how good I look, this, David. We can't hold this against Tyler and not hold it against you. Uh, like a few too many GQ profiles. Wow. The cover of Hot Living. I mean, come on, like that's that's a little bit too much. The Miller Lite commercials. Look, everybody loves a good Miller Ultra. But you can't just be going out there wasting your time. I, I feel like maybe your attention was a little bit off. Look, I understand the need to build your brand, especially after a, a phenomenal run in the finals the year before. But sometimes, look, this is a different organization. You know the Heat way. You're a part of it now. You need to be the face of this franchise. And I think you need to show that a little bit more publicly as well. I can't give you a two, although that's where I'd be leaning. I will go with a three as well, because I do think overall you let us down, Jimmy, and I expect more of you. Uh, achievement of goals. I mean, look, you know who oh, we yeah. are. I mean, just, you know who we are. It's uh, franchise. That's it's, a one, baby. That's a one. That's finals a one. or bust. That's right. Okay. One, you know, we can't. This can is a championship organization. Listen, we are not like that team uh, uh, in, in Manhattan that celebrates being a, a first round out that wins one playoff game and we throw confetti. We're the Miami Heat. The only time that there are champagne parades and confetti is when there's gold plating and trophies. That's what that's what we do here. Okay, we don't celebrate a finals appearance. We say not good enough. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I, that that video of seeing those Clippers players celebrate as they advance to the Western Conference Finals. Well, they'll probably lose against the Phoenix Suns. That's just an embarrassment. I, you know, that's what the Clippers will never win a championship. I expected more of Jerry West, to be honest with you. If that's uh, the fans, I get it for the fans. But as players, we got to act like we've been there before. Uh, especially Paul George, who literally has been to the conference finals before. Right. So, you know, I think Reggie Jackson has as well. Like that does, you know, the, the celebrating like that, I, I didn't really get that from a player's perspective. You know, it's maybe if you're a guy like Chris Paul or like you have a, a long grueling career where that's never happened and I get it, but even CP when he made it, you know, he didn't act that way. So that's more of a fan thing to do. I, I really didn't like that out of the Clippers players. It felt like those weird baseball players that celebrate when they clinch the playoffs. It's like, grow up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. Look, I, I also give you a one on that. I know, I know how you feel about it. I know you feel as strongly as we do about it. So unfortunately we just didn't achieve our goals. That's it. It's all or nothing here in Miami, baby. Like uh, it's not a great overall evaluation uh, doing the quick math here. Uh, I should probably have done this on a spreadsheet or something like that, but you seem to rate below a four. So overall, not your best season of work, even though statistically it might rank up there. I got to say, we expected more of you, Jimmy, and we're certainly going to keep this in mind as we move forward with our kind of contract negotiations. But this is your opportunity. Here you are. You're the star player. You know, we love what we do. You know that we're big fans of yours and everything else, and we want to make you happy. We promise you a championship. What do you see needs to happen in order to make that a reality for you and for us as a franchise? You need to get me a point guard who can shoot the ball and get to the rim. I love Gogi. Gogi's not, he's My not brate, there anymore. Right? Huh? He's Rate, yeah, yeah. I love him, but you know, it's 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 not listen, the same uh, the same last season. He's older. We got we gotta protect his body. Tyler's not a point guard. I think we learned that he's an off guard. He has to play off the ball. I think we need a guy. Listen, I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion. The godfather to my daughter, Kyle Lowry, would be perfect. Get to the rim can shoot off the handoffs, can defend the point of attack, which, let's be honest, that wasn't my job, but we had a little, it was a little rough out there. You know, uh, the nun, she, yeah, not so good. You know, my brother, Gogi, yeah, struggled. Tyler, don't even get me started. So 
Get me a point of attack defender, a point guard who can shoot and get to the rim. And I would also like a power forward who can shoot. Listen, enough. We need to play wings at the four. Enough of these two big lineups. People need to stop with that. Just get Bam a stretch four who can kind of take a dude off the dribble every once in a while. I have another suggestion. I don't know if you can make this happen, but there's a dude in Sacramento, Harry B. <laughs> kind of fits the bill. So if that, if I'm, that's what we need to get to the next level. We have good players. Even though our bench did not perform well this season, I do. Th- I believe in these dudes. And I think if we kind of plug in a couple starters, you know, Mr. Deadman is also my mechanic. And we can't, we have to keep him. Okay, he fixes my old Pontiacs. Got to keep Mr. Deadman. Um, just try to keep Ariza back up four, back up three minutes. I love you, Andre. It's been real. I don't think this is working out anymore. It's not me. It's you. Uh, so those are the things that I think we need to do to take us to the next level. All right. Uh, that's all fair. And look, I, I think we've certainly had those those same conversations internally. But this the last question of your interview here is Tyler untouch, untouchable. Uh, look, Hell we, no. Okay. You know how we feel for, about Kentucky guys here with this Hell franchise. Hell no. You just started caring about Kentucky guys the other day. What are you talking about? It used to be Duke guys. Now it's Kentucky guys. Pick a theme, damn it. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember. What was the name of that one guy they picked from Kentucky years ago? Uh, oh, God. That he wound up being like in the league for just a couple seasons. Dexter Pittman. No, it wasn't him. He played at Texas. I can't remember now. There's somebody else that they picked from. Oh, God. I, like a stretch you, I don't watch college. Tweeter. I only watch Marquette. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh, i'm too locked in i gotta focus i can't be watching kids play basketball <laughs> i can go to my park and do that do you have like your own park i'm sure he does right jimmy butler like somewhere in town uh, you know i, I just park. i go to a, i go to olympic park in kendall and i watch uh, i just like i can watch people play <laughs> i don't I think seen, jimmy butler I've seen carlos has, arroyo there I, I don't think jimmy butler has ever been in kendall no, yeah, Jimmy. Listen, Jimmy Butler. Listen, I, I, Jimmy Butler, am about that life, and I know that Kendall is the most real part of Miami. <laughs> Shout out to Hialeah, right? Uh, Alex Toledo, uh, <laughs> staunch defender of all things. Alex Toledo of Locked On Heat. <laughs> soon, baby, soon, making moves. All right. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Why don't you please tell my listeners where they can find you and all of your great work? Please follow us at MI Heatbeat on Twitter for just the main pod, our tweets, uh, our stream schedule, all that. Twitch.tv slash MI Heatbeat. All our streams are there. We do everything live. Our podcasts, our Weird Alf pregame show, our Hangover Time postgame show hosted by Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. Alf94, a.k.a. the Heat Twitter president. Uh, so we have that going on. We have a pride celebration going on all month. We're doing giveaways. We're doing donations. Anything you buy on the Miami Heat Beat store, any any pride shirt you buy or any pride merchandise you buy, 100% of the proceeds. We are not making a cent. 100% of the proceeds are going to the One Pulse Foundation, which is a foundation uh, done by, by the people affected by the Pulse shooting a couple years ago and a Long Island youth uh, LGBTQ uh, fundraiser uh, shout out to tiffany meeks who's, who's out in long island so it's, that's an important kind of organization for her but those are the two organizations that we are donating to and on tuesday we are doing a big stream uh spoiler alert izzy gutierrez is coming on and we're going to have other guests and giveaways uh, i know we have a lot of donations from media members in miami 
Uh, we're going to have huge prizes and we're raising money for the one pulse foundation uh, to, to, you know, let's, let's do good things, you know, um, especially during COVID, you know, a lot of, you know, queer men, women, and, and non-binary folk have been disproportionately affected by, by COVID, by work, by discrimination. So uh, let's try to make the world a better place. And let's at least, you know, through all the, I'm sorry to bring the show down, David, but you no, know, all no, the darkness, not, no, 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 this show is, this is something that's important to us, making the world a better place, whether that's just us as individuals or us as a, a larger world, we're all part of it. We're all connected, all of us, everything we can do to make it better. And if you can give to a good cause, like the ones that you're supporting, absolutely. We should all do so. So, so Tuesday, Tuesday, twitch.tv slash MIA heat That'll be either. I think we're going to do a pregame stream for, uh, for game two of Clipper Suns. Yeah. So, so go to the Twitch stream, but only after you have already doc- downloaded Locked On Heat. Yeah, yeah. Lock, download Locked On. Five-star review. Hey, you guys that are listening, I don't know how much David shills this. You don't understand how important giving that five-star review is. Give that to David. David absolutely deserves it. If you have multiple devices, do it on multiple devices. Hell yeah. That helps David so much. You don't understand how our enemy as content creators is the algorithm. So if you, the more reviews and five stars you give, and if you write something that's even better, that helps so much. And you could just write, I really like David. He's great. Or you could even write five stars and then say, should have picked Seku or whatever. Regardless, just writing something and five stars is incredible. So give that to David. He absolutely deserves it. One of the best damn people in this industry. Thank you so much. Look, I've done it for myself many, many times, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I shared this on the show. The, the Bucks fans, they went at my uh, ratings. They, oh, they my almost... Lakers, Lakers fans did that to me. That's right. That's right. They I called me racist for making fun of Alex Caruso. <laughs> so, like, literally, I have reviews calling me racist. Well, I mean, uh, you just don't like that particular alien planet that he's from, I guess. I don't know if that makes you a racist <laughs> or not. But cool. uh, just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Of course, as Yanni mentioned, please subscribe to the show and leave that review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. Thanks to Yanni for being a part of our exit interviews. And thanks to all of you. This is David Ramil signing off for now.